HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. I'm Jimmy Carboni, host of Beer Sessions Radio on HRN. I recently hosted a live podcasting event with local beer and spirits makers from beautiful Somerset County, New Jersey. We spoke on the farm that is home to Flounder Brewery and Belmar Distillery, one of the most beautiful stops along the Sip and See Craft Beverage Trail. To me, those two worlds, brewery and distillery, are extremely complementing businesses, especially in a unique location like this. So it immediately helped this become a destination to have a great experience, whether it's the beer atmosphere we've got going in here on the old barns or the great experience you can have in there with these incredible cocktails that are created there. It's complementary to each other. You can have two completely different experiences all within a 10-foot walk from each other. Before the event, I was able to tour the area and see the historic Bridge Tender's house along the serene DNR Canal, walk the bike and hiking trails, and take in the lush farmland. Then we settled into the centuries-old Dutch barn turned brewery for a lively discussion. It was always important for us to create our space, our livelihood that we want to share with everybody else, of being a community-centric location. It is what makes us a brewery in this state different from a barn or restaurant. Um, you know, we're obviously family-friendly here. Um, we have a lot of different groups that have their meetings here during the week. We just really want to become a community hub. You can listen to this episode of Beer Sessions Radio, available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again to Somerset County Tourism for supporting this episode. Learn more about the Sip and See Passport Program at visitsomersetnj.org. That's visit visitsomersetnj.org. I am Chava Perivan. This is Agave Road Trip. It is the award-winning, critically acclaimed podcast that helps Gringex bartenders better understand Agave, Agave Spirits, and rural Mexico. And today, Chava, you don't... I'm going to... Today, what? <laughs> what? Today, Chava, I'm going to tell you everything you don't know 
about Pulque. Try me. Okay. So, how long can pulque last and still be consumable? Depends. Okay, give me a number. Okay, give me so it depends. I'll, I'll, give me give, a... I'll give you two different examples. Okay. One in close to Mexico City where it's rather cold and yeah. where they just do typical fermentation of the pulque. Yeah. I will claim that it after five days it gets thick and vinegarish and it doesn't it's not grand. But I have heard of a place in Michoacan where they actually cook the agua miel and then let it ferment very slowly. And then that can last a lot longer, but I don't have a number in mind. Okay. What if I were to tell you that in Oaxaca, hmm. they are making pulque without heating up the agua miel, and it lasts, well, when I had it, hmm. it was five months old. Did you, is this a Spanish conundrum? Like, no, this <laughs> is not Roy. That's a fair question. Roy was with me. Okay. Because you'd abandoned me on this Gave road trip. I had a holiday, uh, Lou Banks holiday. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, that's very fair. Um, Roy came with me, so there was not a translation issue. And in fact, mm. in fact, I heard about this, and I think maybe you heard about it. Five as, months? I think you heard about it as well from our friend Alvin Starkman. So Alvin connected us to, oh, hang on, let me make sure I get the name right, connected us to Reina Cortez mm-hmm. in uh, in Santiago, Matatlan, Oaxaca, because I was gifted by our friends at Sombra mm-hmm. a couple of barrels. You remember this uh, now? Yeah, I remember yeah, this. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. A couple of Bordeaux barrels that they had used. Bordeaux. I'm sorry? Bordeaux. Bordeaux barrels <laughs> that uh, they had used to age their mezcal, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and my intention was to give it to a couple of tinacaleros, I think they call them, the people who Pul- make pulquero, pulque? Yeah, well, pulqueros, tinacaleros, okay. uh, pulque producers, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, give them to them so that they could ferment their uh, their aguamiel into pulque in the barrel, because I want to taste that. Yeah. But, so we gave a, a barrel to Reina, and, uh, and, she, <laughs> and I got a message from Alvin a, f- a few months later that he had the most delicious three-month-old aged pulque from it. And I'm thinking... No such animal. Yeah, no. No, no. This is this, like I, I need more details because I'm absolutely doubting this. Right, okay. right, right. And and I was too when I thought maybe he misunderstood and maybe she'd been aging or uh, fermenting in it for five months, but no, sure as hell we showed up. Roy and I tasted it. It was absolutely delicious. And she so she said Wait, 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 you have to give me more information about how this tasted. Delicious. No, I don't no, know, no, like, no, was, no. Like, it was, what was it thick? What it, it was, was acid? It was, was it bubbly? Uh, it was not, it, not as bubbly. So we had a uh, one day old, two day old and five month old. <laughs> and it was, it was still bubbly, but not as bubbly as the one or two day. Right. And it was thin. It wasn't as viscous as most pulques, you know, we've had that, even, uh, even in general yeah, yeah, or yeah. even new. It wasn't as viscous at all. So when when I had Roy ask uh, Reina, like, why is this? What what does she think's going on? Um, the first thing that she suggested was a. It's the kind of agave that she uses. Okay, you know why I don't buy this. Wait, wait. <laughs> even, even you tried to tell me on the on the on on the five month uh, story, like why the type of agave? Because I know these people; they will drink this. 
There's no chance a barrel of pulque would last for five months in the household of someone in Matatlan. Oh, you're just I, like, so you think she was just lying. I'm not, I'm not saying lying. I'm, I'm open. Like, I have a theory, but okay. okay. Try to tell me about the, the type of agave. Okay, so the first thing that she said, uh, you know what, actually, there's a, let's pull up her quote. Instead of like me doing it, we're going we're gonna to run her quote. So, Roy, run the quote. This drink has been there for five months. One of the main reasons for its lightish texture being that it is in a barrel. The second is that it is a very different agave than other pulques from other states. The agave we use is an azul americano, and the agave in others is usually a salmiana. They are very different. Azul americano can take around 22 years to reach maturity, which also makes a big difference to other types of agave. This agave is always liquid. It never acquires viscosity unless some bad bacteria touches it or enters the preserve. Then we can observe something thick and with a bad smell. Jesus Christ, you just really blew my mind. Okay. I, I, I know. I, I, like, and, I, 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 might, I might believe you. Because I suddenly, like, after reading this, had all these questions, and I sent them off to her in a text message. And, I'm, you know, she hasn't responded yet. If, the, if she does before we run the episode, I'll toss them in here, and then this will all be edited out. But, like, my biggest questions are, like, is it, be, it like, the barrel thing? Is that has something to do with the wood mitigating all these things? Or is it something to do with lack of oxygen? Maybe just surface area. And Maybe. What, what was, was it covered? Was the barrel... So the barrel was on its side. It's an excellent question. Yeah. was on its side. Um, and on its side, too? Yeah, it was stored so it was on its not, side it, it, the way that you would st- store a barrel for aging anything. No freaking way. Okay. And and then the bunghole had its, you know, huge cork in there. So there wasn't like a lot of, I mean, obviously, you know, we've had this interview with, with our friends from Sombra and we know that oxygen is passing in and out all the time, but just a little bit. Yeah, it's micro-oxygenation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, so there's that. Okay. Jesus Christ. Okay, so uh, I have a, have we ever had drink? Have we ever had access to agave spirits made out of these species of agave that she's describing? Well, we don't because, know. We don't know. Because Azul like Americana she... is not an agave that I've ever heard in, in, in the Oaxacan context, and especially not in Matatlan. Right. And so the other name that they used for it, and you're going to mishear me, is I misheard them the first time. But the, the other name that they use for it is the century plant. Not century, yeah, yeah, yeah. but century like a guard. S-E-N-T-R-Y. I know. So, which tells me the next time that we're in Oaxaca, which needs to be in like a few days because this is so exciting, yeah. um, we need to go with them out to the fields and see these plants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. Oh, I, I just so wish you had been there with me drinking this. Like, you, your mind would have been as blown as my mind, right? And, 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 you know, like, this is something that we've talked about in the past that as agave spirits were a, I, mean, I think like, actually it's still, it's still a thing happening these days, you know, like now I see a lot of the, you know, like I, I think like two years ago, Jabali, Agave Combalis was the thing that had all the nerds super excited and right. you were fighting Nate and Toe like to, to get into the, the Jabali and now it's the Chupa Rosa and the Pelon Verde and there's, a, what, what are you laughing? <laughs> no, 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 I, it's, yes. 
Yeah. Right. So so we're always like searching for these new species that become lamparillo, right? Like like there's like these fashionable species that, but it's some in amongst the tiny little bubble of geeks. yeah, yeah. But at the same time, some like and and this is a, a, a internal conflict that I have with Chuparosa. I was uh, able to see the Chuparosa for the first time physically. It doesn't look that special. You know, it looks like a. Well, that's just mean. I mean, it's a pretty thing, but it just like uh, it, it makes me feel like it's it's like a it looks like an Ameri- like a, like a tiny Americana in a, in a capacity. Or but you could say that about any of no, these. No, no, there's some that are re- like the lamprey is a delightfully beautiful looking plant. The pelón verde, it's it's also very distinct. Uh, I mean, uh, a tepestate, it's like it's clear that it's gonna taste like heaven once you see it, but. <laughs> You no? say so. No, I don't get that at all when I look at these plants. But I mean, my point to this is that sometimes it's very unclear if uh, when, you know, it's like, I don't know if this was a thing in your family, but my mother and my family will sometimes go to a Chinese restaurant that had a name. It was a restaurant that had a name, but then internally in our family, we will call it something else. Like, uh, like <laughs> oh, the Sullivan Street. Chinese restaurant, something like that, yeah. and then I think like oh, the <laughs> restaurant with the really good duck hanging in the window, something like that. So I think like sometimes you know, like this story you're telling me about this agave that they're using to make pulque that it's not normally used. I just wonder if it's not just a family calling a Chinese restaurant a specific name amongst themselves. Maybe so. Yeah, so we'll go take a look at it. But it like it's fascinating to me that w- whatever it is, like even if it's just a standard Americana, right? No, no, but that, that it's even tremendously specific and. Specific in the pulque world because it's it, it, that's very uncommon right that's but that's what I'm saying it, so if if she's correct if part of this is because it's the different agave and the aguamiel is thinner as a result and because of that you don't get the viscosity and the fr- oh, that's what I'm so saying so okay, so that's like I've got another one, but it feels to me like you've got other. Do you want to? Yeah, throw- no, yeah, I want to keep on talking about this. So the okay. other thing that that I like. I mean, this is, you know, like I, I, I've been, I have been doing a little bit of research on Combalis, Javali. Yeah. And, you know, this behavior that it has, that it forms up when you're distilling it. Yeah. And everybody blames the saponins. And then I tried to research, like, is there really anything behind that, that it's not just some random internet post? And, uh, and, or some and, random Mescalero guess. Yeah, yeah. but the, I don't see any Mescalero blaming saponins when you ask them about that. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, no. What, the, what do they blame? Uh, I don't know. They, they don't. Uh, but, uh, they don't. They just say they this, just say that, this is how it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I Fair. wonder, uh, like, I wonder if it, if this thickness and viscosity of the agave in pulque Ooh. does have to do with the concentration of certain things. I, I'm not loving the saponing uh, narrative a lot because when we did our interview with uh, these guys researching perlas and we referred to saponins the guy even like dismissed it a little bit in the sense that he was like well saponins is just like a very general term to describe a lot of components that are like on the soapy side of things oh i didn't think that was dismissive well it was not it's not dismissive but it's not very like what he was trying to say is that it's not very specific term Right, just right, to, right. To which I get so there's like to say oils or to say yeah, it's like yeah, something and, tremendously general. Well, so if you if you uh, if, 
if you apply that in my very non-intellectual way to this situation, in essence, what you're saying is, oh yeah, the things that are saponins in this agave are different than the saponins in that agave. The result is a different viscosity. Well, or saponins are God knows what. But what I'm saying is that maybe some of these behaviors that you don't know why they, they happen during distillation, fermentation, and blah, we can get some cues of that behavior if, we, if they're experimenting with pulque and has different viscosities, different fermentation times of the agua miel. Yeah. Like, you, like you get to see, it's like if you got a dog and suddenly you put it in a complete different environment and you get to see a lot of new behaviors that inform you about the right. usual behaviors of that dog. Right, right. If you yeah. brought the dog to the moon. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's gonna be slightly expensive. So Jesus Christ, like but the Russians did it. Like, like I, I thought that exploring different pulkas with different agaves was just interesting in terms of flavor. Right. But it turns out there's this whole uh, other side to it. Jesus. Which Christ. means that we need to get back to that concept of doing the side by sides with the pulque for the different species. And the other thing is, I don't know about you, but this is the first time I've ever heard of someone like completely closing the, uh, well, as we say, not completely, but mostly closing the access to oxygen of a pulque. Have you ever seen closed fermentation tanks in pulque world? I've I've not. I've not. Not even it, partially closed. No, no, not at all. Wide open. Wide open. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's, there's, there's more for us to dig into in pulque for sure. <laughs> Now I've got I've got some more from her. Do you want to do your own pulque episode where you throw stuff at me? Yeah, yeah, sure. We're yeah. already fifteen minutes in. Okay, yeah, just throw it to me. Yeah. Okay. So when we asked her the question, uh, you know, why why isn't this as thick? Something else that she said, and it's funny. Like again, Roy was doing the interview, so yeah. I didn't get the translation right. So later in the trip, we're at a uh, a bar in Puebla, and we're drinking pulque. And I did not like the pulque at all. And uh, uh, and Roy asked me why not. And I said, it tastes like almost powdery to me. Mm-hmm. And and he then went back and said, whoa, hang on a second. Because another thing Raina told us, right, yeah. is that you get these communities where they're used to the thick pulque, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, and so when her pulque shows up and it's not viscous it's not thick they think it's the wrong stuff or it hasn't been fermented long enough and they're getting bad stuff right so some people in order to obtain that that viscosity and that color will add cornstarch to it yeah or farin you knew this like atole like if they were doing like an atole uh wait they want to thicken it they add corn no i'm talking cornstarch not corn yeah, I know, I know. Oh, okay. Like, like, like if they were doing an atole to thick the atole, cornstarch. Oh, is that what they do? Yeah. yeah oh, like... I hate that flavor. Anyway, so that was news to me is like, oh, when I'm tasting bad pulque, sometimes what I'm really disliking, it's not the pulque, well, it's, it's the, this it's additive. The, it's the glycerin, yeah. It's yeah. the glycerin of the pulque world. <laughs> the glycerin of the pulque world. And then, you know, a story that blew Roy away, um, but was not news to me, was about uh, um, the uh, the beer companies claiming that you had people putting socks full of horse manure into the aguamiel yeah. to add nitrogen in order to expedite fermentation. Yeah, well, not nitrogen, just to, yeah, yeah just but to expedite fermentation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
and you know that didn't surprise me it surprised roy but the piece of it then that she turned around and said might actually be accurate is that when you were in a cold climate you might actually pack the fermentation tank with manure around the sides in order to warm to it keep, up well to keep the the temperature i've yeah. I've, I've, I've seen manure being used as insulator yeah like yeah, an insulation yeah. material before which that, you know like and like we see that all the time, manure being used in other ways in the process of making mezcal, right? Like, like what? <laughs> well, okay, so like using it in the fields as well, well, fertilizer yeah, for the agave. Sure, using sure. it know, when yeah. we were when we were at, um, oh my God, who's not Sebastian? Up in Durango, Mariano. Mariano was using it. Um, uh, in the to hold the still together, the the top of the still together, the condenser on top of the still as packing. Manure? Yeah, I don't recall that. Really? Yeah, no. Yeah, no, no. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Or was he using it in the bricks? Maybe he was using it as adobes. Yeah, that's very common. Yeah, to make adobes, you use like yeah, don- yeah, don- yeah. donkey, donkey or cow manure. That must be what that, it is. Yeah. That has the fibers integrated to it. Yeah. But my point, just simply being, like, it's not unusual to see mescaleros using manure in one way or another. Sure. Yeah, yeah, but not inside the fermentation tank ever. No, 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 no. But even in this case, I just want to make that very clear. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. For sure. But even in this, oh, and aging the. Um, uh, aging the finished mezcal in glass bottles buried under goat poop. Yeah, yeah, but that's again, like, but it it, it never has. My point was just simply when she said, oh, yeah, we'll pack it around the fermenter. Yeah, I mean, which makes sense. Sure. And and if this was a rumor that had some, some, some legs to itself, it's because we've all that being in, in rural Mexico understand that manure, it's something that has been used for a bunch of things. So yeah, yeah like whoever started this rumor was uh, deceivingly smart. Yeah. And yeah, and that, that's why, that's so, why we're talking about this. So, okay, so we only have a, a couple, well, we don't have a couple minutes left. We can talk as long as we want, but it feels to me like we've only got a yeah, yeah, I think, I think but, that's but about a, it. A couple, no, no, no. Oh, Lord, okay. No, 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 go, a couple go, go. things that I know you're going to want to hear because they're the kind of the anecdotes that you dig. Okay. Okay. Do that. So there's a thing called the scorpion test? Yes, of course. You throw it and it has to paint the scorpion on the floor. You already know this. Of course, Luke, I never heard come that. On. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not viscous enough. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay uh, but, but, but explain it just because uh, like, the fact that I know it, uh, it doesn't well, make it less cool. Well, you explain it, smart guy. <laughs> so, in order to, to to know if the calibration of the viscousness is correct, you have to throw a little bit on the on the ground. It has to make the drawing of something that resembles a scorpion. But it looks pretty cool when they do that. And I honestly think that if you don't have you know the hand to do it, you won't be able to really paint the scorpion. But yeah, that's yeah. part of a tradition. And then the tradition for putting sawdust on the floors of these of places. Course. Yeah, yeah, it's to soak yeah, all yeah, that yeah. up. So yeah, when, yeah. You, when you go to a pulcata, you might drink a little bit more than what you had calculated initially. <laughs> and you might puke. And in order not to make a mess, you cover it with the sawdust of the floor. Oh, no, no. The sawdust was suggested that it was because of the scorpions you're throwing on the floor. Oh, uh, but, sure. But hey, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, puking and puke, either one, it'll soak it up. Okay, and then the uh, the last thing, and this is this is more about process, but the last thing uh, that she said that was so interesting was that um, she thinks that part of the reason that some pulque gets thicker faster than other pulques is because of the hygiene practices when the uh, tinacoleros are scraping the piña. 
that there are more gentle ways to scrape that will yeah that that will help to mitigate that viscosity i can believe that can or cannot i can because oh. remember when we went to the tinacal in uh, Iztapaluca, which i think is a really clean pulque we were absolutely not allowed to get really close to when they were uh, scraping the agave and we were absolutely not allowed to touch any of their tools Wait, which place is this? In the La Mancha. Well, like we were able to. Yeah, yeah I thought that's it. what you meant. No, they let me get right in there. Yeah, now. yeah, no, but you cannot touch the tools. No, yeah. they let me touch the tools all the time. After. Oh, after. Yes, that is. Yeah, fair. yeah after they they've emptied it. Yeah, yeah, when they, yeah. When that's they're very getting fair. out of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They were very adamant about us not touching the tools before they're scraping, and uh, uh. like after they 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 got it to the chinacal. Oh, that's funny. You're saying us, but I think you and I have never actually done that tour together. We've been to the Tinacal together, but you went off into the fields with him and I stayed back and yeah. drank. And then I've been, like, I've done the tour with him a couple times now. Okay. And were you allowed to touch the tools? Uh, yeah, though I never, like, I never asked. He just offered at the end and I never really paid much attention to the fact that it was at the end as opposed to in the middle. It's interesting. All right. Yeah. Cool. I mean, I love all the information you collected, to be honest. Like, cool. Well done, Lou. (laughs) Thank you, Java. (laughs) So let's wrap this episode, and then you can blow me away with what you know about Puke that I've never heard of. Bunch of stuff, Lou. Gosh, pronto. Adios. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly, eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and